Hi, this is Melinda Snodgrass. You're listening to Women at Warp. T'Pol has a big secret. She's contracted a disease that, if revealed, could jeopardize her future. Greater risk. I'd be taken off Enterprise. I think I can question them without revealing that you're infected. It's too great a risk. Without further treatment, you could very possibly die. Paul was previously forced to engage in the intimate act of a Vulcan mind meld. Hi, and welcome to Women at Warp. Join us as our crew of four women Star Trek fans boldly go on our bi-weekly mission to explore our favorite franchise. My name is Sue, and thanks for tuning in. With me today are Jara. Hey. And Grace. Hey, guys. Before we get into our main topic, we'll do some housekeeping as usual. We would like to remind you about our Patreon over at patreon.com slash women at warp. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash women at warp. And that is basically how we pay for things like hosting and convention travel and a lot of stuff we're able to do to help promote the show. Um, also, we want to remind you, if you are not subscribed on iTunes, please go over and subscribe on iTunes. And if you have a couple minutes while you're there, leave us a rating and a review. Subscription numbers and ratings and reviews are what help other people find the show. Your love keeps us going. Totally. That is really what we're trying to do is is spread the feminist Star Trek love. And I think Jara wanted to talk a little bit about a new book. Yeah, I um, I just wanted to put in a quick plug for um, a book that I just finished reading called The Star Trek Universe, Franchising the Final Frontier. It is a collection of academic essays. It, you know, I read actually a lot of academic books on Star Trek and sci-fi, and almost all of them promise to be accessible to non-academic readers and very few actually deliver, but I think this one does. Um, I think that it um, has a lot that's really um, exciting for a broader Trek audience. Um, I sort of liken it to, I guess, like a tapas meal or like a sampler plate because it's full of essays on really every aspect of the franchise you can imagine from like the gender representations of the TNG action figures to um, how the Borg collective is similar and different from t- modern social networks um, and things like that. So um, I thought it was really cool. And I just wanted to put a shout out there for anyone who's interested in just, you know, maybe thinking some new thoughts about Star Trek. Um, there is quite a bit of stuff on gender and race in there. I think um, a lot of it could go deeper, but part of the the strength of the book is it just kind of introduces you to a bunch of new ideas, and I think it works. So that's the Star Trek universe franchising The Final Frontier, which is edited by Douglas and Shay T. Brode, or Brody, but B-R-O-D-E, and it's good. Most excellent. Don't you love that we're at a point where we can plug things? <laughs> Isn't it great? I think I saw your review of this on Tumblr, maybe, and it immediately shot to the top of my wish list. Yeah, if you do want to read more about my thoughts um, on it and some of the specific highlights, um, there's a, a fuller review at trekkiefeminist.tumblr.com. So shall we jump in? Yes. Let's do it. All right. Today, we are talking about the two T'Pol-centric episodes that are kind of tied together by storyline and deal with some pretty big themes. Before I go any farther, I do want to put a trigger warning on this episode. We are going to be talking about things like assault and and violence and issues of consent and probably even 
as we get later in the episode, uh, discrimination and homophobia. So if those things are triggering for you, don't listen until you feel safe and comfortable doing so. So those episodes are Fusion and Stigma. Fusion is an episode from season one in which T'Pol meets a group of uh, Vulcans who embrace their emotions and practice mind melds and ends up being assaulted by one of them. And then in season two, in the episode Stigma, we find out that T'Pol contracted Panar syndrome from her attacker, and that disease is a clear stand-in for HIV and AIDS and is highly stigmatized on Vulcan. So there, there are some really big issues in these two episodes. Yeah, and we haven't talked a ton about Enterprise yet on the show, um, and we thought this would be kind of a good place to start because it it has those big issues and they are focused on one of the two main women characters. It's a little telling already that we can say the one of two characters <laughs> who are women on this show. <laughs> yeah, that's another podcast, I think. <laughs> We are definitely going to do one on women of enterprise, and we I don't also think we see either of them talk to each other in either of these episodes either. I no. believe you are correct on that. Um, one thing I found when Bechdel testing Enterprise is that Hoshi and Tafal rarely talk to each other. Um, when they do, they have they do have some cool scenes, but um, we can probably save that for the women of enterprise episode. And we're also going to do another episode um, looking at the roles of women in Enterprise and TOS and how there's that sort of uh, potential contradiction between um, a show that's been, that's produced several decades after the original series, but set before the original series. So if you're looking for more on those things, we're going to have more episodes on that later. So does anyone want to give a perhaps more detailed summary of Fusion? Well, yeah, I mean, so that's pretty much the summary. Um, but, you know, when I started watching Enterprise, the first season is not great. Even fans of Enterprise acknowledge, like, it gets better later. Um, but I had been watching a lot of Next Generation before this. And when I got to this episode, I was actually, like, really pleasantly surprised with how I felt the issue of assault was treated. Um, basically, uh, like we said, there's they encounter the ship of Vulcans. And T'Pol is really quite suspicious of them and disapproves of the fact that they embrace emotions. And they also practice mind melding, which she doesn't really seem to know a lot about. Um, and all of her human crewmates, and I think Phlox as well, they're all basically urging her to hang out with these Vulcans. And she's really uncomfortable. She really doesn't want to do it. And uh, they're all basically saying like, oh, you could totally loosen up and be like them. Which is very uncomfortable, both on a cultural level, because they're all saying she should be around her own kind. Oh, and totally. on the social level of all these guys are telling the one woman she needs to relax. When yeah. she from the beginning is like, I'm, I'm not crazy about this, you guys. Are like, nah, you should, you should try. You could learn something. Which is especially great because that one guy is just giving her the eye business. Like this guy's name is Tolaris. And... I mean, I wouldn't say we we know that he's a bad guy right off the bat, but we know that he's interested he's in bad her. guy eyes at her. I mean, I know Vulcans already have bad guy yeah. eyebrows, but still, <laughs> and and definitely not good guy hair. That's not the hair no. of good guys. <laughs> um, but uh, they go to the barber of evil. He has a very specific <laughs> clientele. Those bangs are quite short. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, you know, and th this happens a lot in Enterprise where T'Pol is really expected to be the one who changes 
to fit in with the humans and none of the humans are really expected to try and explore her stuff until she hooks up with trip later. Sorry, spoilers. Um, but, uh, at this point, like this is a pretty expected reaction, um, is all the guys being like, Oh, you should totally hang out with this guy. He seems so nice. And, um, I don't think it's as much about like be with your own kind as it is about these guys are more human. Like they're less driven by logic. They're more driven by emotion, which is more like us. And we want you to be more like us. So you should hang out with them because they're doing it right. So that was kind of what I got from that. They do specifically use the phrase be with your own kind a few times in the episode. Several times in the episode. I forgot that. Uh, (laughs) And so there's also like this kind of charming little engineer guy who hangs out with Trip and he's kind of the comic relief and he really likes being on Enterprise. So that's kind of going on at the same time. And he's super curious and has all these questions about, is it really true that humans do this and this? And it's, it's very endearing. Yeah. Um, so T'Pol does end up sort of exploring mind melding with Tolaris. Um, so the mind meld takes her back to a San Francisco night when she was at the, I guess, hanging out around Starfleet. And, um, she wandered by this jazz club. A jazz fusion club. Yeah. Oh, I do. Title that ties back around to the show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, clever. Clever yeah, wordplay. Yeah, yeah. So basically, Talaris pushes her too far to the point where she withdraws consent. And she she says, no, she doesn't want to do this anymore. And he is, like, invading her mind. And it does definitely have sexual overtones. And she breaks it off, but she, like, she seems like she's injured. And, um, you know, the next time we see her, we see she's in sick bay, And, uh... You know, so she, she explains to Archer what happened and Archer to his credit totally believes her. You know, no one says, Oh, I guess we were wrong about this guy, but she, but he does, um, you know, say, you know, I'm going to hold this guy accountable. Talaris kind of tries to like victim blame her saying that, you Absolutely, know, yeah. T'Pol simply panicked because she couldn't handle the quote unquote emotional turbulence of the meld. And Archer is basically like, no. I believe my crew member. No one treats my crew like that. Get off my ship. And so basically he kicks the guy off and a fun guy in engineering also leaves. And Archer basically goes to check on to Paul and to Paul's basically like, that is awful, but I'll, I'll recover. Is that a fairly accurate description? <laughs> Pretty much. And honestly, I really, I really did like the fact that we do not see this conversation between um, Archer and Paul. that we just see him being like, hey, come on in, so on. So mm-hmm. you attacked one of my crew members. Mm-hmm. And that we kind of, as an audience, are give, uh, give Paul that level of privacy, both. And the fact that he just instantly is on her side and is in full force, like, no, you did a bad thing. And I'm here to tell you that you did a bad thing. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that that is definitely one of the, the good things they did was to not show the victim being forced to relive an assault while reporting it. Which I really appreciated. Unlike and- uh, the enemy within, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the fact that we get to hear him saying to her attacker, really? She's in the sick bay. Do you think that sounds like she wanted that and that she's okay with all this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, that that scene is just so bothersome and upsetting. You know, especially she she says, let me go. She says, no. She says, stop twice. 
and then she has to try and kick him out twice. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's a good several minutes of her trying to get him to stop and leave, complete with a lot of gasping and heavy breathing. Yeah, it is very uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, I agree, but I think that the way that the narrative was treated, um, it did a good job of taking the issue seriously and the the fact that like we clearly saw that she withdrew her consent and Tolaris used really common victim blaming narratives that we will hear in like media or um, from accusers today and Archer just shuts that down. So I thought that was important that it, it got beyond like I think the level of a lot of the Troy assaults of really just being about like putting a damsel in distress and it really more addressed the idea of you know this is rape culture and he, like this is how we shut it down as we refuse to accept those narratives. That, like, well, because she mind-melded, she consented to all of it. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing that, I don't know if anybody else sees this, but there's one line that Talaris has towards towards the end of this. He says to her, you've made progress, don't give up now. And to me, that takes it into shades of what is referred to as corrective rape. Ah, uh, yes. Right? And which is horrendous. That is, you know, when somebody is is bisexual or pan or or gay or asexual that somebody decides well if you just had sex with the quote right person you would be quote fixed and it's horrifying but it is a a huge issue yeah or even just you know the the less sinister version of that like all she needs is a good lay which you hear a lot to refer to women who are not very emotional or like who are logic driven and and okay taking charge that like oh well she wouldn't be such a b word um you know if she just had a man to sleep with <laughs> either way he's kind of grooming her into this position where he can take advantage of her beyond her comfort level and plus, there's, I don't think anybody ever actually says the exact phrase, but the discussions of emotion leading up to this are laced with the idea of, well, how do you know if you've never tried? Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's so incredibly terrible and uncomfortable. You just let out a communal, <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I think it's really uncomfortable, but I think, so, um, I, Pulled a quote from Jacqueline Friedman, who's a, a feminist author and commentator, um, who wrote a really great essay at the American Prospect about the use of sexual assault on TV. Because since this episode of Enterprise, it feels like rape on TV has become really ubiquitous with like Game of Thrones and even shows like Downton Abbey um, having rape pro- plot lines. And House so cards, sh- it's all over the place. Yeah. It's like you almost can't even have a show without having a main character get assaulted. And I mean, Star Trek Renegades also references assault and has like rape threats. So, you know, it's certainly something we're dealing with even more now. So Friedman says TV's national and international audiences are certainly in need of better understanding all of the issues surrounding sexual violence. But for all the dramatic and social good rape as a theme can bring to television, rape as a plot device is manipulative and damaging. It's a difference of intention. Why are we doing a rape plotline now? And it comes down to the execution. So how do you guys feel like it it stacks up looking at it in that sense? Do you feel it felt like it was a plot device? Do you think it felt like they explored some interesting themes with it? Or what do you think? 
I think it could fall on either side of the line, really. On one hand, we haven't actually talked about a lot of sexual assault and rape in Star Trek. It's alluded to, it's implied, especially with characters like Tasha Yar. This is one of the first times where Straightforward said, no, a woman was assaulted. So it's one of those things that's very interesting to examine from the perspective of we're talking about this idealized future universe that is not yet an ideal setting. And even in the building up towards this ideal setting we get later on, there's going to be some bumps in the road. But at the same time, the fact that we have, again, two female characters on the show, one of whom is sexually assaulted within the first season, I think it does kind of speak to the show's lack of ability to plan a good story or at least um, a more a more creative, a more attentive story for one of its female characters and really just needed to have a better idea of what they were doing with them and the scope of what kind of stories you can tell with a female character, especially one like Tall. She definitely had so much potential that was unexplored and to just go to take the rape story as just a go-to, as, again, in the first season, uh, just feels a little, it feels a little tacky. Well, not only in the first season, but this is really the first episode about T'Pol. In the very first episode. To say that this is their go-to for a character episode for her um, speaks enormous volumes about how rape is just seen as one of the go-tos that you can have for a story for a female character. She's assaulted in the very first episode that focuses on her character. Yeah, exactly. It's just kind of gross. Um, well, certainly I would agree that I don't think that the creator's intent was to like, hey, let's dismantle rape culture with a, a like a sensitive look at this issue. Oh, no. Um, no. Because uh, there's a Brandon Brega quote. He was quoted as oh, promoting this, this episode good. by saying, oh, I have to make my, my gross Brandon Brega voice. <laughs> We have a show coming up where T'Pol gets nasty with a Vulcan, and that's a real sexy show. To call, to call that scene sexy? Yeah. Like, I'll be back. I just have to go take a shower. That's another problem <laughs> that we have with the depiction of sexual assault in media culture is it's very sexualized. It's very much like, ooh, yeah, she's being attacked, but she looks so cute and pretty the whole time. And it's like, ew, God. Well, he also said that this episode would be, quote, the Vulcan version of Nine and a Half Weeks, which, for those Disagree. of you not familiar with the movie, that's basically like a 1980s, sort of considered a precursor to Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, it's about, it has Kim Basinger and, uh, the guy whose name that's slipping my mind. Um, and it, it's sort of like this guy, he convinces her to sort of try Mickey BDSM. Rourke, that's the one. Yeah, Mickey Rourke. And, uh, I, it's like it's disturbing in similar ways in that a lot of people have said um like it was supposedly supposed to explore the boundaries of consent but it actually isn't reflective of what consensual bdsm relationships would be like and it really is more about coercion and um glorification of violence against women and like submissiveness of women so yay but you know i will still defend this episode not like I, I won't say that it's not problematic in context. Like, I think it's a really fair point that it's problematic that, um, that's her, the first episode that focuses on her. If it had not been her first central episode, I probably would have said, wow, that was, that was interesting. We don't talk about that a lot and we don't talk a lot about the implication of the mind meld in Vulcan culture. So the fact that it comes with the, all these shades of gray here. It w- I probably, in a different context, would have found it interesting and appropriate, but in this one, I kind of don't. Yeah, I think that's fair. How they deal with it after, I would put, you know, 
in the positive side of the scale. You know, they're not making T'Pol relive it. Their archer is 100% on her side. There's no, like, well, are you sure you weren't wearing sexy mind meld clothes? Like, there's... Which is tricky, because she's always wearing that cat suit. (laughs) (laughs) And Archer doesn't talk about her like he's mad because she's his property. Like, it's not like Riker in The Child with, like, who's the father of your alien rape baby? Um, Archer is just clearly mad because, like, you hurt my friend, and that's just the wrong thing to do. Um, So it didn't feel like... It didn't feel like, you know, a man had to step in to defend her, but, like, that was an appropriate role for him to play as her captain. Absolutely, um, yeah. As a leader. Yeah. taking accountability for taking care of the problem. And it doesn't show that, like, she immediately recovers. Like, she doesn't just magically – you aren't supposed to think that, like, okay, well, the guy's sent away, so she's going to be totally fine now, um, which is another that problem. <laughs> yeah, and that's another problem we tend to see – um, in a lot of media, this idea that like you get revenge on your attacker or your attacker goes to jail and suddenly you're fine. Um, Closure is not that easy. Um, and the problem is if you're showing it in a television format, you need to have closure within the end of your hour or, or else it doesn't work as a story. Yeah, I mean, and obviously that's changed quite a bit over, you know, the past several years with the way that TV has changed. But um, I think like when Enterprise was on, they still and the first season was still very episodic. So they, they do imply that, you know, this is something that she's going to have to recover from and there, and Archer is going to give her the space and the time she needs to do that. Yeah. I just kind of wish to say it again, that this wasn't the first episode that focuses on T'Pol, but also that maybe there was a little more time spent afterward Mm -hmm. rather than leading up to it. Cause in my opinion, that's where the important stuff really happens is how it's dealt with. Yeah. And how it's not acceptable. Yeah, I agree. You know, I like I first saw this when I was watching my way through and it's it's close to the end of the first season. And I think part of the reason I appreciated it was that I was just so incredibly frustrated of how often to Paul's male crewmates were telling her to loosen up and be different and have a sense of humor and not listening to her. And then even when she was right, not acknowledging, Hey, you were right. And this seemed like it was like, again, it started off that way. And then at the end, there was really a shift that was like, we should have like, we should have listened to you. And I think, that I was kind of relieved by that. Um, but I agree. And I mean, I think that we would all agree that DePaul just generally should have had more and more like episodes centered around her and more variety, better episodes centered around her. The men of Enterprise really are kind of street harassy, aren't they? <laughs> oh, yeah. They're definitely hey, baby, boys smile. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the number of times they're like, hey, go see this old timey movie you'll really really like it and then she's like i failed to see why i would like this and i do too because like why would you want to go see go to the movie theater where all they show are movies that were released before 1950 so that enterprise didn't have to pay royalties to those later movies and then have like people talk through the whole movie (laughs) Anyway, it's going to be just like a bigger equivalent of going over to a friend's house for movie night and everyone just talks over the movie about how great it is while you're trying to watch the movie. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So, I mean, I think T'Pol deserved better in the show as a whole. Um, I think if 
if this wasn't really one of the few Tapal centric episodes, um, that I could, I think, appreciate it more. But overall, I definitely appreciate it in the context of all the other depictions of assault we got, which we'll also do another episode just on, uh, sexual assault in Star Trek. Um, but in that context, I definitely appreciated it as just doing a better job than I think Trek has ever done on the issue. Yeah. I'd agree with that. <laughs> Low bar, but they jumped it. <laughs> <laughs> so, a year later, in season two, lest we forget about this horrifying assault on T'Pol, we get the episode Stigma. Uh, part of a Viacom awareness campaign for HIV and AIDS in 2003 uh, a mandate came down that every show on the network had to do an episode that would essentially act as a PSA about the HIV and AIDS uh, epidemic. It's oddly proactive of them. I don't object to the idea on principle, but definitely when you look at this episode, I think it's questionable whether the execution actually accomplished their goals. Um, part of their stated goals was to appeal to, uh, or to, like, to raise awareness and education. And I think we'll, we'll probably talk about how much it actually teaches us. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe the other teaches might be a loose term here. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, uh, Brandon Braga again, our, your friend and mine, uh, he commented on the creation of this episode. Um, to sort of defend, like, oh, don't worry, it's not going to, this isn't going to be, like, too preachy. Um, <laughs> at least that's how I read it. Um, he says, we're not here to provide answers to questions. We're here to provoke thought about an issue. This episode stands on its own. Even if you don't draw the analogy, it's still an interesting episode because it deals in general with prejudice. The metaphor will be clear to a lot of people. So I'm like... You're not here to provide answers to questions because, like, this is, you're talking about HIV AIDS awareness. Like, it's pretty cut and dried. <laughs> I don't think yeah. I don't think there's really like a lot of legit room for debate. And who's not gonna draw the analogy? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Good okay, so Lord. maybe I'm jumping ahead because we haven't given a synopsis yet. <laughs> but Let's get to that then, shall we? <laughs> someone else want to do this one? Okay. So the gist of this episode is, you know, it's been a while since T'Pol was assaulted, but she is having some problems with this mysterious disease that she's contracted, apparently from her assault. And Dr. Flox really wants to see if he can do some investigating into it and find out more information. But to do that, he has to talk to the Vulcan Science Council during a, a some kind of medical conference. And that could put Paul's position in jeopardy, and surprise, they put one and one together, and they are asking, so, you've got a Vulcan on your crew, and you want to know about this really Vulcan-specific disease. I'm thinking there's some stuff you're not telling us, and then DePaul essentially risks losing her job because of the stigma attached to this disease, because the Vulcan Council isn't big on people who mind meld, for some reason. You did not need to be Sherlock Holmes to figure out why... Flocks needed to know no. about Pinar syndrome. No. It's so... Ugh. <laughs> he tried. He uh, tried. I just, it, like, I would say thinly veiled, but there is no veil. No. Like... <laughs> no. It's I was a veil made of, like, cheese cloth or something. I mean, he says there's, there's a subculture of people and we don't condone of their behavior... Like it's I believe, just... yeah, they refer to it as their lifestyle at some po uh, point, yeah. and they call them deviants. We don't condone the intimate actions these people participate in. 
Mm-hmm. That's guys, a direct quote. Guys, it's it's not subtext if it's right there. It's not subtext if it's text. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, there's, so then um, the Vulcans find out, they get annoyed. Then Archer finds out, and he is like, even he's more angry at first that T'Pol and Flox didn't tell him than concerned about her well-being. How dare you have personal secrets? How dare? <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I think that Fusion is actually a better Archer episode than Stigma. Um, but in this one, he's like, he's really like personally offended. And actually, to their credit, um, to Paul and Flox are basically like, I thought that, you know, your people believed in medical or doctor patient confidentiality. So they basically call him on your values don't line up with your anger here. Um, yeah, Flox shut that down. Yeah. And that was yeah. great. That was great. Go Flox. So Archer becomes suddenly less angry when he realizes it's because she was assaulted. Cause I guess if she had just contracted it through normal consensual mind melds, it would have been okay. Or like he would have had a right to be angry with her, which is, that's kind of problematic. And then everyone is like, tell them you were assaulted because then they won't kick you off Enterprise. And she refuses to do so because she says it's not fair to the minority that um, if she says, well, I'm innocent here, I'm not one of them, that it implies that what they're doing is wrong and it condones the prejudice. Um, and still everyone is like, tell them, tell them, tell them. But there's also that very unspoken level of, if I tell them this, I have to admit to the fact that I was assaulted. And yeah, I have to exactly. tell all these strangers... I was assaulted. Yeah, yeah, that is definitely a huge privacy point that is not even addressed. And no. the reasoning that that T'Pol gives, I do kind of like. Like, I I refuse to use this as a defense because there is nothing to defend about having to participating in this. And it's you good, know? and it's logical, and it does sound like something to defend with. But at the same time, right? The fact but that this whole thing is unspoken. She should not have to tell anybody about her history. No. Like, there's no no reason for that. There is no... The only benefit to her in reporting, which involves uh, confessing this experience, that she shouldn't have to tell anyone. Um, But it's not going to bring her attacker to justice. All it is going to do is make people see her as a victim in this situation um, or and end up... Uh, condoning the prejudice against the people in the minority. Um, and yet people like, like she says, I have Panar syndrome. It doesn't make a difference how I contracted it. And Archer goes, it makes a lot of difference. You're not a member of this minority. He forced himself on you. You're said it yourself. So Archer's just like, if you were a member of the minority, I don't know. <laughs> Archer isn't thinking this through very well. No, he's very much just like, how can we get you out of it. I don't care that the Vulcans are oppressing this entire group of people. But to Paul, you're not making it about me. It's just that whole idea, you know, tell them you were assaulted, tell them it's not your fault, tell them you didn't consent. It's just because of the not at all veiled <laughs> analogy here. It's just reinforcing this stereotype that HIV AIDS is a gay man's disease. Mm-hmm. And a minority's because, disease. Yeah, it only affects this small group. It's only if you participate in what they do that you would contract this. And it's simply not true. No, absolutely. And so 
there's a doctor in this group of Vulcans who is a member of the minority, the mind-melding minority. And he is... I would say it's fair to say he's a bit more effeminate than the other Vulcans. Like it, it feels like they were deliberately trying to cast a man um, who was would like be a bit more stereotypical of what you would think of a gay man as. And um, he because it's up- failed. See, yeah. see, it's failed. Yeah. And he he slips information on the the syndrome to to Paul, and he urges her also to tell about her assault. And again, she says, no, I'm not going to throw you guys under the bus. And then he ends up out- outing her assault at the hearing. And I think that's pretty awful. Um, at, so at the end, she gets to stay on Enterprise purely because the Vulcan Council can rationalize that she's not a member of this minority. And Archer's basically like, oh, I feel bad for those dudes, but selfishly speaking, I'm glad you're still on the ship. But at the same time, this dude in a position of power who could have really somehow affected the power sway now doesn't yeah. have a job for the sake of Paul. And by the way, they also make it very clear that the Vulcans who mind meld, it's they're born with this special ability. Yeah, it's genetic. That not all Vulcans have. So yeah. there's this genetic ability to participate in this behavior. It's so gross. Yeah. Like just the way that they, they do this. It's Nailed. just Like Sue said, it's really uh, reinforces the idea that HIV AIDS is a gay man's disease, which actually is, is, is not true. And it also functions to perpetuate stigma and homophobia. And also to to enable people who are not uh, men having sex with men to let their guard down and assume like, oh, well, I'm not going to get HIV because I'm having straight sex, which is part of the reason that like one of the highest groups of people contracting HIV AIDS in North America has been young straight women. Um, and uh, it's so it's it's like not true. It perpetuates the stigma and it's irresponsible. But I, I know there's more about this, but I really quickly just want to talk about the B story of this episode. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Me too, actually. That is um, the one where one of Flox's wives is there and she's interested in Trip. And Flox is kind of like encouraging this relationship. And it's supposed to be the comic relief because Trip's uncomfortable with it. And he was raised to believe that you don't mess around with another man's wife. Yep. And I just don't think I could ever get over that. And it's just... Polyamory is just too weird. Right? And, like, in theory, the idea that the Denobulans are polyamorous is kind of cool. And when Flux just talks about this different kind of relationship, great. But when it's actually in the episode, it's just used as a joke. Like, it's the butt of jokes. It's used for comic relief. And that just makes me really sad. Also, can we point out that uh, for the second time in a very few a- amount of episodes, we have an Enterprise episode where the big exposition thing between, like, the dudes is in the gym that's just mysteriously <laughs> only full of men. It's just dudes working out, being dudes together, because, you know, in a military operation, women don't need to exercise, apparently. Right. Well, and and Trip- the whole ship is a locker room. <laughs> and Trip isn't so much concerned that the way he phrases it, that she is married or in a relationship, but that she is another man's wife. Yeah. It's not, she has, a, she has her own commitments. It's, she is the property of this other person, which is also bothersome. 
Yeah, totally. So, like, so this is the episode where, like, I think we previously knew he had multiple wives that Phlox did, but we didn't know that the wives also have multiple husbands. Um, so that's kind of cool. And like you said, it's a cool concept that they could have done a bit more justice to. And I think they could have even possibly balanced some humor in there. Um, like we see in a lot of Next Generation episodes that, like, Riker gets in entanglements from not not understanding what's going on with another species sexual mores and there's usually like a laugh point about that but everyone else is really respecting that cultural difference and Riker basically will go like oh yeah messed that one up ha 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 uh totally respect you guys though and it didn't really have that concurrent message of this is just something different and we're delighted by difference we're um you know, this was a mistake, but we really are, are um, you know, accepting of the fact that you just do things differently than we do. It's like everyone on the Enterprise is like, we can't even understand how this is even possible. What is this? What is this? And the, the shock that, sure, okay, I guess we can accept that this man has three wives. Mm-hmm. But then that each wife also has three husbands? That's nope, not that's the right. tipping point. Tipping point right no. there. <laughs> Heavens for fend, clutch your pearls. And I, I totally agree with what you're saying, Suits. Like, this is something that really annoys me um, in society as well as in media. Um, this idea that, and we see this a bit too with Paris and Neelix on Voyager. This, like, you can't mess with another man's girl. And it, it becomes so that the woman's wishes are totally irrelevant. And I'm not saying that, like, Trip should have just gone and slept with her because she wanted to. Like, if he's not comfortable, that's totally fine. But, like you said, like, he's basically talking to Reed and is like, she's hitting on me. And Reed's like, oh, you can't even tell Phlox about that. Like, he'll be really angry. And so they're just making assumptions that, like, Phlox believes this woman is his property. Um, She can't possibly control what she's doing. And I have to go talk with him man to man. He goes to talk to Phlox and Phlox goes, don't you find her attractive? And Tucker goes, sure. I mean, no, she's your wife. Like, he's basically like, I can't find her attractive because she's your wife. Women don't have sexuality after they've committed their sexuality to a single male. Don't you know? Yeah. And uh, and Phlox goes, well, what does that have to do with it? And he goes, she's your wife. And Fox goes, oh, nonsense, nonsense. You're too concerned with human morality. I thought you wanted to learn about new cultures. Isn't that why you joined Starfleet? And he goes, why? Of course it is. But I was brought up believing you don't play around with another man's wife. I don't think I'm ever going to change my mind about that. And like what he could have done instead was just say, hey, Feasel, that's her name, Feasel. Uh, look, I know that Denobians have different ways of doing things, but I don't feel comfortable being involved with someone who's in a relationship with someone else. So maybe just, like, stop hitting on me. It is impossible to quote Trip without doing the accent. I'm, uh, yes. Or <laughs> you could be like, hey, this is a work situation, and so maybe stop trying to have sex with me, because we're at work. <laughs> this is a professional environment, ma'am. Both of those would have been more respectful of the fact that, like, she also has a stake in this situation. Rather than speak to her, I'll just go talk to her husband. That's how it goes. Yeah, he can shut this down. Evidently. Uh, Boy. And really, that's what's happening. He's going to Flox to make it stop. Instead of asking her to stop if he is uncomfortable, he's going to the man that controls her. At the very end, they have this point where the two of them, uh, Flox and Fiesel, get together and they're like, humans. And that was the point where I wanted to go. 
Star Trek writers. <laughs> yeah, like I admit I laughed at some of the parts, um, but overall I think it really lacked any kind of like archer or some other figure to be to like play the Picard or you know the role of or Troy or anyone who could remind them like this is why we're out in space to learn about new ways of life new forms of life and uh which is not even acknowledging the fact that polyamory exists on Earth today, and I'm sure did at the time of Enterprise as well. But um, It's always fun when a different character has to be their own advocate. I think that's like the minimum they could have done, though. But back to the Vulcans. <laughs> yes. I Vulcan get behind that. <laughs> well, one of my other notes, right, is that this, this whole idea that the, the Vulcans are rejecting a subculture is just it doesn't jive for me right the idea that a vulcans a peaceful logical i don't know vegetarian people <laughs> would be bigots just it doesn't sound like infinite diversity yeah it does not make sense to me. does not compute i agree i mean i know that vulcans and enterprise are supposed to be a bit different and we do see them being bigoted towards humans in a way that's more significant than the original series um, and later series. I think by different, you mean just generally douchey. Yeah, they are definitely generally douchey. But I still didn't buy that they would go this far, particularly to the point of rejecting knowledge about a disease. Like, I could believe that they would stigmatize a certain group of people for mind melding because it was a threat to their culture, because we do see like that change in the Vulcan culture later in Enterprise. But to the f the point that they would hide knowledge about a disease and let it kill people, that I don't see how that is remotely justifiable and or in keeping with Vulcan morals and ethics. They're basically, if not advocating for, acting like they're totally fine with the deaths of all of these people. Mm-hmm. Well, again, they tie that into the AIDS analogy being like, well, you're sense. just okay with letting this group of the population that you don't like die out, which adds to the analogy, but at the same time, does not make sense for Vulcan culture. It it really does not. Yeah, and it's kind of unfortunate that, you know, to this point, we, you're right, like, we only see um, that there's this group of people who are genetically predisposed or genetically able to have to mind meld and have this disease. And we see one person who was assaulted and there's no one that is saying it goes beyond these groups. Um, so it, it does really reinforce the idea that like this is something like there's a reason to hide this thing in the shadows, which is not fair at all. It's sort of, again... The well, if you just behaved, this wouldn't happen to you. Mm -hmm. If you were a better person, if you did what we wanted you to do, this wouldn't be an issue. Government mandated karma sure is a bitch. I think it's worth mentioning too that this was two thousand and three. So, like when this episode came out, I was graduating from high school. Um, I started learning about HIV/AIDS, and I know like my experience was not universal, but I started learning about HIV/AIDS in my sex ed curriculum and in like community programs in 1995. Yeah, same uh, here. When I was 10. That I and I think like the mid 90s were really like a turning point in it's not to say that there was not still stigma um and that stigma does not still ex exist today, but there was more of a conversation happening, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, we had had ACT UP, we had had um, a lot of, there was a lot of media. Um, it was started to be realized that this was something that went beyond uh, gay men, uh, sex workers, and drug users. Um, and uh, there was Angels in America, there was all kind of art being produced. And this is like less, I would say less incisive than like anything <laughs> that I saw being produced in the mid 90s. And this was in 2003. It was like they were very afraid to actually teach us anything about you HIV. Tried, but just barely. Yeah. In fact, they're basically doing the opposite of what they claim to have mm-hmm. wanted to do. You know, they're promoting this stigma and kind of indirectly giving out false information. Yeah, I, I think it's similar to The Outcast in that it was well-intentioned, but some of the choices that they made in the execution ended up just reinforcing some of the problems. Like, in Outcast, um, just, you know, briefly we talk about how, you know, the fact that they cast all women as these androgynous race um, made the fact that there was, like, a kiss between this woman and Riker um, less of a, a potent analogy for um, homophobia. And uh, the fact that she can get cured at the end is also a problem or, you know, quote unquote, cured um, implies that it is actually something that you could and would want to possibly cure. So there's this and like similar problems like this was an issue that they were actually kind of behind the eight ball in creating art on. And they chose to go with representations that were just kind of conservative. Conservative and stereotypical. And all white. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I thought, yeah, I thought it was frustrating. I, I was trying to think, like, how would I have felt if this had been an episode of TNG? Would have been a little more timely, for one thing. Well, if it had... Yeah, like yeah it, if it were TNG, it would have been pushing the boundaries. Because yeah. that would have been the 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. And before we knew as much as we knew in 2003. Yeah. I mean, even if it had been, like, first season Voyager, I think that you could give them more credit for trying. But by 2003, there was so much more information and voices and knowledge about this, that this, the story is, yeah, it's counterproductive from where things were. (sighs) Plus the whole stuff about like, let's force this woman to talk about her sexual assault because we want her to stay on the ship with us. The men know what is best for you. Yeah. Yeah. He outs her for her own good. Yeah, and like, like we have, just, if there's one thing we've learned, like the Vulcans are gossips, so they like they're not. <laughs> I mean, in Enterprise, they are. Um, like when later on, uh, you know, there's an episode where T'Pol and Trip go visit her mom, and her mom like knows everything that's happened on Enterprise. So when Eurus, this like Vulcan doctor, outs her at the hearing, which is what Archer wanted to do, and thankfully, like minor credit to Archer in this episode, he said, "Okay, I'm not going to out this about you, but I want to have a hearing, but I won't tell this story if you don't want it told." Um, but when Eurus outs her, like, he's not just outing her to the people in that room. Like, you can assume that is getting back to her mom, her, like, entire military command structure. He is outing her to the world, essentially. Yeah, and, like, it's going to affect how she's seen. And so it's really, like, not fair to do that without her consent. No, not at all. It is none of their beeswax. Give this episode three out of five resigned groans. <laughs> well, I think, you know, when we f- we did our first episode review on Wolf in the Fold, we thought about doing a thing that, like, set phasers on blank to rate the episode, so we could do that with these episodes. Yeah. good call. Just 
just keep that groan going for like seven and a half minutes and we're good. <laughs> so ratings for Fusion. Grace, why don't you start? On a scale of one to being good and five to being bad, I give it two and a half groans. And with, uh, with Stigma, I give it three out of five groans again. For Fusion, I will set phasers to E is for effort. <laughs> Yay. And for Stigma, I will set phasers to what do you think you're doing? Who do you think you're actually helping here? <laughs> Maybe just don't even bother. That's a, set, a new setting. Yeah, that's a, that's a good setting. <laughs> it's, it's I like used. it. Oh, man. I will say for Fusion, I want to be positive about it. So I'm going to say set phasers to allyship is important. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. For Stigma, I'm going to say just watch the normal heart instead. Yes. You can do better. And you'll be a much happier person. Set phasers to you can do better. Except that you'll be crying a lot. Yeah. <laughs> There's lots of... You could also watch Rent. You could watch... Philadelphia. Angels in America. There's a lot to work with. There is media to consume here. Yes. More accurate and aware media to consume here. Absolutely. There's even a freaking episode of Walker, Texas Ranger. Seriously, guys. <laughs> and and written by people who live the experience. Who live the stigma. Yeah, I feel like with stigma, there was zero effort to get, you know, delve down into what it's actually like to live with HIV and AIDS and experience that stigma firsthand. It was like you could have written that by reading three news articles. There's stigma because we're telling you there is, essentially. Yeah. There's stigma because I read about it somewhere. <laughs> oh, man. I imagine it's uh, pretty bad. It must be. Moving on. Damn you, Viacom! I wanted to write a... <laughs> uh, wait, okay. Crap, I'm getting my Trip Tucker and my Brandon Braga voices mixed up. <laughs> damn you, Viacom! I wanted... To, oh, damn. Now it's like drawly Brandon Braga. Okay. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> they fuse together, you see. Why couldn't you let me write another sexy Vulcan story? Jeez, Viacom. Jeez. Oh, man. This wasn't sexy at all. <laughs> so, thank you for joining us to talk about some sexy Vulcan <laughs> Enterprise episodes. Apparently. Hopefully we'll get to, like, some more... I don't even... Are, are there any actual sexy Vulcan Enterprise? There... Oh, well... <laughs> In theory, the whole show is supposed to be sexy, in theory. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm sure later we will cover decom chamber and uh, and Vulcan Ugh. neuromassage or whatever. Um, but that is for another day. Another <laughs> far, far away day. Yes. God willing. But that is it for us today. If you would like to send us an email, let us know your thoughts. You can email us at crew at womenatwarp.com. Find us on Twitter at Women at Warp or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash, surprisingly, Women at Warp. Grace, where can people find you on the interwebs? People can find me on Twitter at BoneCrusherJank and they can read my writing on the Mythcreans blog. What about you, Jara? You can find me at TrekkieFeminist.tumblr.com or on Twitter at Jara Penguin. I'm Sue and you can find more from me at AnomalyPodcast.com or on Twitter at Speltor. That's S-P-A-L-T-O-R. Thanks for joining us.